I had to pump my fist to that. Open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18, verse 32. As you're turning there, flip over your announcements. You have notes right at the top. The title of today's sermon, What If? What if? And if you want to be grammatically correct, put what if dot dot dot. Genesis chapter 18, verse 32. I count it a privilege to preach to you this morning. I don't take it lightly. There are so many disciples in this house, leaders being trained up. I don't take that lightly because you're waiting for your next marching order to go forth and do something great for God. But I want to pose to you seven questions. And I get this from the Bible in Genesis 18 when Abraham was interceding with God on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. How many know Sodom and Gomorrah was a bad place? Do you know what made Sodom and Gomorrah bad? They lived in sexual perversion. Homosexuality ran rampant. Rape of children ran rampant. Matter of fact, the Roman Empire allowed soldiers to take a boy with them to do sexual things while they traveled in the military. That's all perverted some societies got. But listen, Sodom and Gomorrah was even worse than the Roman Empire. And Lot was Abraham's nephew. And when they traveled together, he got in an argument with Abraham. And Abraham said, Lot, I don't want no trouble. Just take your sheep and go one way. I'll go the opposite. The Bible says Lot looked over at the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and saw how good it looked. And he chose to go there. Eventually, he ended up moving right smack dab into the heart of that city. When he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible says in Peter that his righteous soul was vexed. So yet somehow, living in the midst of wickedness, he was counted righteous. When Abraham was about ready to bring forth a child, God personally visited him. This is what we call a theophany, if I can call it right. Theophany. Everybody say theophany. It is when God appears to man. Christophany is when Christ appeared before He came in the flesh. This encounter with God leads God to share with Abraham His plans to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. The two men that came with God that day were angels and they were going to send down fire upon Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, before I leave with Abraham, I think I'm going to tell him what I'm going to do so that he'll be warned of the judgment. If you know the story, God purposely did this so that Abraham would intercede. It's not that God changes his mind about things. It's just God puts out the what if. I'll do this, but what if you did that? Y'all didn't get that, but I'm going to preach a whole lot, and then you'll get the what if. Just remember what if. Somebody look at your neighbor and say what if. So God said, I'm going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, but what if Abraham intercedes? So Abraham says, God, what if there's 50 righteous people living in Sodom and Gomorrah? Will you spare that land? God says, yes, I will. He says, what if there's 40? What if there's 30? Look at your verse, Genesis 18:32. If you're there, say, I'm there. He then comes down. He says, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? God answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. God made a promise with Abraham. If there was ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, God said, I won't destroy it. What if? 
But if there's ten righteous people, if you know the story, it was only Lot that was righteous. His wife and two daughters came with him. The fire's coming down. The wife turns back to Sodom, what she was told not to do. Then she turns to a pillar of salt. The two daughters that night, one after another, get their father drunk and then have sex and get impregnated by him. Somebody say, that's wicked, man. Hello, somebody. That's just, that's just wicked. But Abraham said, what if there was ten? God said, for the sake of ten, I won't destroy it. You ever ask yourself why America's not destroyed already? We've killed over 50 million children in abortion clinics. You know why? Because there's still righteous people here. Even as wicked as America is, we still send more missionaries and more mission dollars around the world. For that sake alone, God spares us. But I want to put something in your heart today. What if we did some things today? What do you think God would do? If, if God would have spared old wicked Sodom and Gomorrah just for ten people, what if you and I, number one, repented of our sins and lived holy? What do you think God would do? Open up your Bibles to Acts 3.19. What would God do if everybody in this church repented of their sins? Now, I want you to understand something today. This tape will get played, uh, you know, downloaded, MP3, will get played this week. But I'm not even specifically talking to them. I want to talk to this congregation right here. One thing you need to know as a pastor is I can't live for a popularity contest. Some of you have come to this church. It's hard to find a seat. Sometimes we all got to move to the first two rows. It's just like that sometimes. Sometimes we'll, we'll have events, everybody will come, they're waiting outside. Sometimes we've had events and nobody shows up. Can't live for popularity. But this is what God put in my heart. Whoever showed up today, this is what it's for. It's for you right now. Look at your neighbor and say, this is for you. I mean, I mean that. I mean, of course I preach that every week, but I really mean that. We have visitors here from other churches. Thank you. I'm just telling you something. This is for everybody here right now. It's for you. What if just everybody right here, remember for 10 he would spare Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm saying what if everybody just right here just repented of their sin. If you seriously repented of your sin, you said, I, I have these issues, I struggle. I mean, everyone here has struggled in sin. We can relate to it. But what if everyone said, I am sincerely sorry and I want a changed heart. Look at Acts 3.19. If you're there, say I'm there. Look at what it says. As we get it up here for you, as you're turning to your Bible, Acts 3.19. Do we get locked up here, brother? Okay. Pardon me as I do it the old-fashioned way. Thank you, Lord, for teaching me to turn to my Bible. Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that he may send Christ. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I just read that? You mean me repenting of my sins has something to do with Christ coming back? Did y'all just read that in your Bible? i got to read that again. Repent then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. 
Do you know that Jesus is waiting for the appointed time of when the believers down here repent, get right, preach the word, and when he says that's enough, these are the ones that are my chosen, we get to go to glory, it's over? He's waiting for the gospel to be preached around the world. You and I have a part to play. What if we repented right now and did our part? Oh, I just wish I had a third of a church. I even got a half a church today. I just wish I had two people to say amen like they meant it. I said, what if we did this, what God said, would we not change the world? We would speed His His coming, His return. What if we repented of our sins? Look at Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. Jesus. What if we repented of our sins? Some people say right now, Pastor, you don't know sinning so hard for me. You know, I like this. I like that. You know what it really is? It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Look at yourself and say, it's a heart issue. Yeah, I can't blame anybody else. It's right here. You know what the problem is? Is you have a wicked heart. If you still like to sin, you have a wicked heart. Well, guess what? We all had that at one time. So how does a sinner stop sinning? God has to do what? Change the heart. And listen to me, all the sinners that are here, listen to me. You can't change your own heart. You can't. So if you're in a place of battle with God and you're like, you know, I'm trying to live for God, but I just keep doing these things that I wish I wouldn't do. You know what the problem is? You haven't let Him change your heart. Let me give you some real practicals right here. For some of you that are struggling with this, let me give you some real practicals. You say to God, I am a sinner. These are the sins that I love. Change my heart so that I hate them. That's what you pray. And you continue to pray that every time you face temptation for those things you love. God, you know that my flesh loves this, but God, change my heart that I hate it. That God, when I look at the computer and that that pop ad comes up for BigHooters.com, that I hate it. That God, when I'm, when I'm considering, you know, keeping my tithe and, and, and lying and, and, and living in a greedy life, God, let me hate greed. Let me be like the rich man that just, just you know, gives it all away, follows God. Look at Jeremiah 31, 33. Somebody say it's a hard issue. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them out of the land to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. So listen, everybody hears that knows thou shall not steal, but you've stolen, even though you've known that. Everybody here knew, don't lie, but you've told a lie. That was the covenant of the Old Testament, is don't do this, don't do this. God says the old time people broke it. They didn't keep the covenant, so I'm going to make a new one with them. Somebody say a new covenant. Verse 33, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it in their heart. I will be their God and they will be their people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. See, God says He's going to change the heart. He's going to change the heart of a sinner. That's why Jesus looked at Nicodemus in John. Nicodemus, yes, in John 3, 3. And he said, no man can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Help me, Jesus, to remember this today. Come on, are you listening to me? 
Every sinner today saying, man, you know, kind of like fornication. The man that didn't come to church today because he fornicated with his wife. You know what the problem is? Is he's not asking God for a new heart. You have to ask God for a new heart. Every person here has to ask God for that new heart. Now I want to ask you that question, what if we all did it? Just right here, this room right now. By the end of this service, everybody in this room said, God, change my heart. Let me hate the things you hate and love the things you love. What do I think would happen? I think we would speed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Word says. Number two, what if we all came to prayer in the morning at 9.15? Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 24. See, I'm going to give you practicals today. You might say, Pastor, what do you you mean come to prayer at 9.50? Let me explain it to you, my friends. We come here and pray and ask God to pour out His Spirit every service. What if all of us did that? What would that service be like? Every one of us right here. Come on. When we did the uh, the prayer time today, it was half the room right here. What if the other half was here? I'm not saying because I know some of you were there. I mean, I'm just saying it just filled up this many chairs. What if the whole church right here did it? What if we did it for one week, two weeks, a month, two months, six months, that every person who called this their church and loved God showed up at the prayer meeting and said, God, change our lives today, right now. Do you think there would be a service where there wasn't be a miracle in that corner when they pray for healing? You see, people always put the blame back on God. See, as a pastor, I know better than that. See, I know the blame resides with people. And you might say, well, well, well Joe, yeah, I understand. It's the crack addict out there. It's, it, it's his fault. You know, bl- blame it on the one-legged guy hopping to your car this morning trying to get 50 cents from you. Blame it on me. No, 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 no. God always said it was a certain group of people. It was his people. You see, the problem with Metro Praise is not the devil because the devil's been defeated. The problem with Metro Praise is not, you know, sin and wickedness. No, the problem with Metro Praise is that all the believers aren't doing what they're supposed to. Right here. I'm not trying to make us feel condemnation. Listen, I have seven things that I'm going to go through. None of them are beyond measure. None of them. None of them. It's not sell your home and come move into my house and let me drive a Rolls Royce and we live on a commune and we wear flowery dresses and we drink Kool-Aid. It's, it's not that. It's not, I'm going to teach you a strange doctrine. If we only believe that there was a spaceship behind the next comet that came by. No, I'm not saying it. I'm telling you the most practical things we all can do. And it would actually be, for many of you, surprisingly easy. Well, I came here at 10. Well, I'll just come at 9.15. And I'll start to pray and say, God, move. God, heal. And we all asked Him. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 24. If you're there, say, I'm there. Look at what happened during their prayer time. When they heard this, they had just been persecuted as a church. They raised their voices together. So what are the disciples doing? They're raising their voices together. Sovereign Lord, they said, you've made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, the rulers against the Lord and against His Holy One. Indeed, Pontius, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this 
this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Look at verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand. Now verse 29, here it is. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Remember, they're all praying this together. They're saying, come on, God. We know you can do this. And it says, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now, was that it? Did they just all get together, pray that prayer, Lord, do something cute, and the service ended? No, look what happened. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they all, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. You see, today God is saying, I'll fill you if you come. He's saying, I'll fill you if you come to prayer. I'll fill you if you get in one accord. And then He says to us as a congregation, if you come together and you get in one accord and you ask Me to show up, I'll come and show up and show off and show this city that there's a God that still heals and delivers. What if we all came to prayer? Come on, what if? We said, I want to be like that. If I'm going to come and hold open this book... It's either Peter Pan and a bunch of fairy tales or it is the truth in the Word of God. Make your decision, my friends. If it's the truth in the Word of God, then live by it. Live your life by it and you and I can see it come to pass. Hallelujah. What if we all came to prayer? Number three, what if we were all tithers and givers? Turn with me to Exodus chapter 36, verse 5. Some of you have been around the church world for a while probably haven't even heard this verse ever in an offering. You've probably never heard it. You've probably heard give and it will be given back to you. you. You've heard that God curses the tither, you know, Malachi. But let me know, have you ever heard uh, Exodus chapter 36? Y'all get ready to be surprised right here. My computer guy is just lacking a little bit today, brother. I love you. God bless you back there. Making me work the word. Look at your neighbor and say work the word because it will work for you. Y'all didn't follow up the second part. Look at your neighbor and say, work the word, because it will work for you. Look at Exodus chapter 36, verse 5. Look at this. Starting in verse 4. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left the work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough of the doing the work the Lord commanded us to be done. They said there's more than enough. Y'all ain't getting this, are you? Moses was building a temple. He asked the people to give. The people who are using the materials that they're giving, they're giving wood, they're giving gold. The people have to stop working and say, Moses, they're giving too much. Look at it. Keep reading your Bible. Then Moses gave an order. This is an order, son. What's his order? No man or woman is to make anything else an offering for the sanctuary. After their tithe, they were giving so much offering that Moses had to say, Here's the order. No more giving. Mission accomplished. We got gold laying around here we don't know what to do with. Oh, we're going to do with this gold. I don't know. Put it in the children's room. Okay. Children gnawing on gold tablets in the back. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. This is the Bible. It is truth. Have you ever heard that? Hey, guys. Cut it off. Andrew, come and get the offering buckets. Cut it off. We got too much today. Why? Because what if everybody gave? What if everybody gave their tithe? We 
did one time a little survey, just for fun, an anonymous survey. Everybody write what your tithe would be. If you were a tither, write it down. This congregation, it was even smaller back then. This congregation, you know what he found? No, we found out our monthly budget would be just in this congregation, $12,000 a month. Do you know how much we bring in right now? $8,000 a month. I mean, that's awesome. Hallelujah. I thank God bills are paid more than enough. What if we gave that? What could we do with that extra 4000 What could we do, y'all? Uh, youth pastor, I don't know. You got any ideas? <laughs> uh, anybody from Ohio Park got any ideas? Anybody who's been over to India, or Ricky, you, you got any ideas of what we could do with $4,000 extra from this congregation? We have 30 churches right now in India, and he's telling me I can't even go back to Arissa until you're ready for, for these churches to be supported because there's at least 50 to 100 of them waiting for us. Just our guy right now, Pastor Amit, is saying, listen, you, you need to catch up with me because I'm already out there now. There's so many people that want to join with us, and we need to support him, give him materials. I bought him 500 books of our 101. They're already gone. I said, why are they gone? He says, Pastor, you're forgetting. Some of us pastor multiple churches. Pastor Amit, Pastor Seven all by himself. He's saying, I got, you know, a pastor with seven churches and they got 20 people that they're raising up as leaders. Your 500 books went like that. I said, okay, we'll get 5,000 next time. Come on, somebody. What if we all gave? Not, not 100%. Everybody here just gave their 10%. What is a tithe? The Bible says 10% of your total income. We like to give off the gross. That's before the, the taxes come out. I've done that my whole life since I've been saved. Never questioned it, never doubted it. And I have a question to you. What if we all did it? Then, after we all gave our tithes, what if we all just gave generously in the offering? Just every week we said, I want to give something extra. I'll designate it towards India. I want to give something extra. Wanted to go to Ohio Park for the inner city kids out there. I want to give something extra. Wanted to go to the youth ministry because the van just keeps on breaking down. Lord have mercy. So the van can get fixed. What if we all were tithers and givers? I think we would see a little bit of what Moses saw. Hey, guys, um, the building is paid for here, and I, I got this other $100,000. I'm just trying to wonder, what should I do with it? And you guys would be like, let's go to Nigeria, let's go to Indonesia, let's go to Malaysia, and let's go to Afghanistan. Do you know that God put the resources right here? When we took that survey and I found that there was $12,000 in the house, I've never not prayed over offering because, you know, yeah, there's a prayer request on there if you want us to pray on your offering. I pray every week for your prayer request while we're doing it to covenant with you. There's never been a week I haven't said, Lord, bring in that 12000 That belongs to you, Lord, and the people of God are stealing it. Look at your neighbor and say, what if? Look at number four. What if we all went through discipleship? Go to Mark chapter 16, verse 19. What if we all just went through discipleship? Just all of us. What if every single person here became a disciple? Every single person. And every disciple always remained a disciple. I'm still being discipled by my mentor. Let me tell you my life story of discipleship. I got saved, went to Bible college. I was discipled by Brother Anthony in Bible college. After that, I was discipled by Pastor Grogan for about three years in Illinois, Urbana. Then Brother Anthony came back into my life and has been my disciple ever since then. I'm still being disciple. Then I went out and made new disciples. Everybody that has graduated as an elder or deacon, please stand up right now, please. So I went out and made new disciples. 
All those that are now the results of them that are in the 201 class, whether it's Sunday morning or Wednesday, please stand up, the 201ers. Now, all of those right now who are going through the 101 book with either an elder or deacon or one of these standing up, you stand up if you're going actively through the 101. Look at this. What if the rest of you joined with us? And what if everybody here that's standing never stopped? Just remain standing with me. What if you, who are in the 101, you're just faithful with it? You show up. You get mentored. You know, you, you ask your questions. You deal with your issues, but you keep going. Those in the 201, you remain faithful. You go through the class. You take a lick in and keep on ticking. And you remain with it. Those who've graduated, elders and deacons, you keep being an elder and deacon. You keep serving. You come to the monthly meetings, and you keep serving God. What if we all did it? You may be seated. Turn with me to Mark chapter 16, verse 19. And I'm about ready to blow your mind. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to blow our minds. <laughs> it's going to come down right now. Boop. It's just going to pop like that. Boop. Like that. Diana. Boop. You ready for that? Come on. Look at Mark 16, 19. I love the end of the Gospels. It just tells you how radical these guys were. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was taken up into heaven. He sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples. Come on, somebody say disciples. It doesn't say then those Christians. It doesn't say then those church members. It doesn't say then those believers. It says what? Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere on Devon, on Ohio Park, in Mexico, in India, all around the world. Hallelujah. The Lord worked with them and confirmed His Word by the signs that accompanied it. Do you know what then... Oh, come on. i got to just take it slow. I'm going to get so excited right now. Deep breaths. Jesus was one man, right? He didn't have made how many disciples. By the time he left, there was 120 in the upper room, right? 120, right? Do you know within 300 years, Christianity brought the Roman Empire down to its knees? The entire Roman Empire within 300 years. Some of you don't know your history. Within 300 years, 120 people affected millions. Do you know that right now there are nations that are turning as a nation over to Christianity? The brother I was talking with, Nigeria, we were sharing the testimonies because I've read up a lot on Nigeria. Nigeria was a predominantly Muslim nation in Africa. Now it's predominantly Christian. They have a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled president in Nigeria. Do you know that Seoul, Korea, right now, has more tongue-talking believers as a percentage than any city in America because of men of God who have raised up in Seoul, Korea? Cities have been won to the Lord. Just since the Korean War, cities have been transformed by God in atheistic nations. What if we all went through discipleship? Let me just give you some numbers right here. Let's just say we had more than 12, but let's just start with 12. 12 people right now said, for the next three years, like Jesus made 12 disciples, it took Jesus three years to make 12. What if everybody here said, I will do that? 12 Disciples times 12 is 144. In three years, it'll be 144 disciples. Somebody say amen. amen. 144 people making disciples is 1,728. That's just the third generation. Watch this. 
1,728 people making disciples is 20,736 disciples. 20,736 people making disciples is 248,832. Now watch. This church is, that's right, it's only four, four times. This church is only four years old. I got plenty more than 12 disciples. But look, in three years, 144. Another three years, that's six, that's 1728. Another three years, 20,000. Do you know that in 12 years, four times three, we could have 200,000 disciples, 200, disciples? Only if we all did it. What if we just did it? How did Joe go out and make disciples? The same way you go out and make disciples. Adolfo sent, listen to me, within one year, Adolfo has sent eight young adults to the 201 class. Eight of them are being trained right now eight, in just one year. What if you did it? Josh, what if you did it? What if you did it? Other Josh. <laughs> the guy sitting next to Josh. What if we all just made disciples? Do you think God would honor that? Do you think, listen to me, you set as a three-year goal, everybody in this church, you said, Lord, here's my three-year goal. In three years, I want to make 12 disciples. That means they get saved. They get the Holy Ghost filled. They follow God. They go through the process of discipleship. You just said, Lord, I want 12 in three years. You know what that would work out to be? Just one every three months. Just one every three months. God, just give me one. Nick and Tamara, you're my one from last month. Do you think it was any accident that when I saw you sitting there all by your lonely self, eating your little rice over there, that I walked over to you? See, it was no accident. You see, Monica and David had already set you guys up. This is what they told me. Is it, it's all right if I let them in on the inside story now? This is, see, looking at me crazy. You know what you told me. This is what they told me, y'all. This is what they said. I want our wedding to get people saved. Now, do you remember? Okay, yeah, we didn't say anything bad. I don't know what you'd be saying in the other place, but it was good. Yeah. They said, I want our wedding to get people saved. So when I got off this pulpit, I had like my Holy Ghost radar on. Boop, 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 boop. I saw these people sitting by themselves. And I just felt the Lord say, go get you them. Go get you them. And I said, Lord, I want them. I want to see them saved. I said, go get you one of them disciples. I ran up to you and I said, hello, what's going on? We talked. And what was the first thing, Tamara, you said? You said, Nick needs this. She put it right on her husband. That's okay. Good wives can do it. Hey, he needs it. And now what's it been? Almost, what, three weeks later? They're here, and they're getting discipled. And Ricky and Rachel say that you are the best they've ever had. No offense to everybody else. And they love you so much. Can we give it up for Nick and Tamara? Come on. How does it work? It just works just like that. What if everywhere you went, you just said to yourself, is one of my disciples here? You're in the grocery store. You're looking for your cereal, and then you're like, Lord, are you, boop, boop, are you telling me one of my disciples are here? Let's say you're out witnessing, and you, yeah, you're talking to crowds of people, but then all the Lord, all of a sudden, like Eddie Berto, witnessing, boop, 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 boop. Jonathan, there, there's one of my disciples. How did Eddie Berto get Jonathan? Right from Prosser High School. Jonathan was just walking. You didn't even know what hit you that day, did you? This guy got whacked and holy ghosted and toasted. Before I know it, I see him jumping and speaking in tongues. I ain't even got a chance to shake his hand. 
Finally got to meet him back there, and this guy was radical. Within like, what, three days from Friday to Sunday. Robert, the same thing. Robert was witnessed to by Jared on the streets. Jared gave him his flyer. Uh, Robert says he was in the neighborhood up to no good, and he just kept the flyer in his pocket. And then one day his life was falling apart, and God said, go back to that flyer. Robert, am I telling the truth? Can you just wave and say, hey, man? Come on, brother. And he got that flyer. He called up a doubtful, got saved on Friday, discipled on Saturday, and came to the prayer meeting on Sunday. Woo! Come on, somebody. What if we all did it? Somebody say amen. amen. Number five, called to Matthew 28. Um, ver, no, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. What if we all got baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and asked God to use us in signs and wonders? Now, don't shout me down if I'm just preaching a lie to you, but say amen if you believe everything I've told you is the truth. Can you say amen? If everything I told you is not only the truth, but it's something everybody can do from this point forward, say amen. amen. The Bible says, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. You all know you can do this. As you're turning to 1 Corinthians 14, I'll review. What if we all repented of our sins and actually lived holy? What if we all came to prayer meeting and prayed in one accord? What if we all became tithers and givers and gave generously? What if we all went through discipleship? What if we all multiplied our disciples? And now, number six, what if we all got filled with the Holy Ghost and fire? Yeah, number four and five were together. What if we went through discipleship and then made disciples? 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, when you're there, say, I'm there. Look at what it says. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. What if we all desired spiritual gifts this week? When was the last time you were at home and spoke in tongues for 15 minutes by yourself? When was the last time you just got by yourself and just spoke in tongues and said, hey, while you're speaking in tongues, obviously in your heart, you're just like, God, fill me, fill me more, mas. God, use me, prophecy. I bet you there wouldn't be one service where we didn't have a prophetic word. I bet you they want, the Bible says we're up to we're allowed up to three every service. Today we didn't even tap into our one, and we had three. The Bible says you can have about three in every service. Every youth service would be prophetic words. Young people would be prophesying. Come on, Diana. What if everybody prophesied? Remember when Diana got some words and got touched by the Holy Ghost? What if we all got touched by the Holy Ghost? What if everybody here this week and every week from this point forward said, God, use me to heal. God. Use me to prophesy. God, use me to have tongues and interpretation of tongues. What if you actually believed it and went after it? You see, some of you are saying, well, you know, I don't see many miracles. When was the last time you prayed a week asking for miracles? Well, I pray for Aunt Mima to get up off the wheelchair or get, get out the hospital. No, don't just pray for Aunt Mima. Pray that God will use you, lay hands on Aunt Mima, and then find 20 more like her. You see, some of us get discouraged because Aunt Mima didn't get it. You know what, man? If I, didn't, if I stopped preaching because my sister didn't, didn't get saved, then none of y'all would have got saved. Sometimes it's not their time. There's a sovereign will of God. So I just say, God, it wasn't for them. I'm going to the next one. I'm going to the next one. It's the same thing with spiritual gifts. Lay your hands on one of them. Lay your hands on another one. Get the prophecy. Get the prophesying, speaking in tongues, and see God do what only God can do. What if we got on fire for Jesus? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5. I love Paul. Look what Paul says right here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. He says, I 
He who speaks in tongues edifies themselves, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. That is not the verse I was wanting. It's still a good one. He wants us to speak in tongues and prophesy. But the verse I was trying to get you to is where Paul says he speaks in tongues more than all of us. Thank you. Turn to 18, please. Somebody work that word and help out their pastor. Look at it. Look at what Paul said. I love this brother. Thank you, Jesus. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Thank you, Lord. Can you just imagine that? Somebody standing up today testifying. I just want to thank the Lord that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Shabababababibong. Chikaboomba. I speak in tongues more than all of you. Only Paul could get away with that. That guy had to be speaking in tongues all the time. He was on his way to preach speaking in tongues. Singing in tongues. He said he sang in tongues. He spoke in tongues. He prayed in tongues. When was the last time you did that? You might say, Pastor, well, I'm not baptized in the Holy Ghost. Really? Were you in the corner today where the baptism of the Holy Spirit, fire of God is where you receive it? Did you go to that place? We have people in our church that don't even speak in tongues, and they don't go to the place to go speak in tongues. What's wrong, people? Are you afraid of the Holy Ghost? Are you in sin? Let's go back to point number one. What if we didn't live in sin? Do you say it's not for you? What if you just said it is for me, believed it, and you didn't leave there until you got it? Do you know that when the old timers first got baptized with the Holy Ghost, they thought that if you didn't get it, there was something wrong with you and possibly not even saved. So you got people that would tarry. They called it tarrying. They would tarry in the church for days without eating, would not leave until they got it. And when they got it, you knew, baby, they got it. They would go all across the floor, all back and forth over aisles, they would be, and listen to me, some of y'all don't even know your history. Do you know that we used to come from barns and sawdust stables where people would roll? That's why they call us holy rollers. People were getting whacked by the Holy Ghost, rolling on the floor. Storefront churches like this, people would be peering through the windows just to look at the holy rollers because people had the Holy Ghost. Now we just come to church, some of you don't speak in tongues. Well, that's not for me. Or if you try, you're just like, do it, Jesus. Now you got to get hungry. What if you said, Lord, I'm here and I'm not leaving till you give it to me? I guarantee you there wouldn't be a day go by where we didn't see miracles and testimonies in this church. Because I'm telling you, if I didn't see it today, you would have saw it today. And then if it's my turn tomorrow, then you didn't see it. Man, one of us is always going to be hitting that bell, ringing the bell. Are you listening to me? Somebody's always going to be touching heaven, changing earth. I mean, you just get a group like this speaking in tongues saying, God, use me. We're going to come here and have to cut testimony, you know, short and say, okay, uh, the 900th person testifying about getting out of a wheelchair, we need to ask you to stop because we have to preach now. It's four in the afternoon. Y'all don't think I'm telling the truth. Come on. John said after he wrote the gospel, if I would have wrote to you all the miracles Jesus did, there's not enough room in all the libraries in the world. What if we all got baptized with fire? Would you stand up on your feet for me today? What if? Number seven, if you want to write it down as you're standing up. What if we all obeyed the two greatest commandments of Jesus Christ, the vision of this church? Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Ben, would you come, please? Thank you for joining us today. Now we're going to implement what we've learned. Mark 12, 29. A man asked Jesus, 
What's the greatest commandments? Jesus said, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. What if, from this point forward, you did everything motivated for love for God and then love for people? Just simple things. You worked your job for God. So when you went to work, you would say, I'm working for the Lord, so I want to do my best. Husbands and wives, what if you love God in your marriage? You treated each other like Christ told you to treat each other. What if the students here, you loved God when you were at school? You told people, God is my Savior, Jesus is my Lord, I live for Him. What if everybody here treated their neighbor as themselves? You might say, Pastor, well, I'm not perfect. Well, what if when you made the mistake, you told people, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You know, maybe you're at your job, you didn't treat your, you know, your co-worker the way you should have, and you say, hey, you know, today when we were in that meeting, I yelled at you. I, I want to apologize. I shouldn't have acted like that. What if we all lived like that? Do you think this world would see a difference between us and the world, between us and them? Do you know that one time, in front of my house on Addison, I was just backing up my car just ever so slightly, and I just bumped their car. And you know how people normally bump, bump, and then you get in and out, you know? You know how people do that? I just did it, and I went over there, and I could just see in, this, in the light that, that, that there was a little mark on their bumper. I felt so convicted. I wrote a letter just right there, and I said, when I was pulling out, I bumped your car. It was an older car, too. I mean, you could barely see it, but I just knew I did it. And I said, I bumped your car. This is my number. If you want me to repair it, to do anything to fix it, let me know. This woman called me back, and she said, when I saw your note, I was amazed that someone even did this. She said, I can't even tell you did anything to my car. This is what she said. What type of person are you? I have to know. Because I've lived in Chicago my whole life, and I've never had anybody do that. I mean, I've literally come back and seen my car. My window was missing one time. Some of you have seen the hit and runs around here. She said, I've never, I mean, this was a little, just a little touch on my old bumper. I said, ma'am, I'm a Christian. And I want to do unto others as is done unto me. See, what if we all just live like that? Put up there for us, please, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. We started off this message with a simple what if. Abraham said to God, God, what if there's just ten people in Sodom? What will you do for them, God? Just what if, God, if there's just ten, Lord, if there's just ten people in Sodom that say, God, I'll live righteous, I won't be a homosexual, I'll live here. God, what will you do? What if, what if, what if there's ten, God? God said, I'll spare them. I'll spare them. 
And now I want to say to you, what do you think God would do? What if all of us here today repented of our sins? Just here. What if all of us here today say we're going to begin to pray? What if all of us in this one room, more than ten, said I'll be a giver. I'll support the work of God. What if all of us here became a disciple and were faithful to the word of God and then made disciples? What if everybody here said God baptized me with the Holy Ghost and fire? And what if we made the model of our life loving God and loving people. What if the Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. God said, if you do this, I'll come behind you and do this. He said, my heart will be where you are. When you go to your job, my heart is there. When you go home, my heart is there. That's what God says. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll bless you. He'll prosper you. He just said, do it. If you do it, I'll do this for you. Would you close your eyes, raise up your hands, and say, God, not if, but when. Not if, but when. I'm going to do it. When I do it, Lord, bless me. When I walk out of this place, Lord, I'm changed forever. Jesus, come on, not if, but when. Come on, we're going to take the if out of there. When we pray, God, hear us. Jesus, I pray that there's people in this church, God, that stop doing the what ifs, and now they step out to the nows and the doing and the wins. Come on, you heard a message today that, that, that spoke to you with your hands raised. What's God saying to you right now? If you need to repent, you can come to the front of this church right now and begin to repent as the band begins to play. In this city, come on, God of this city, as they play, if you need to repent, come and repent. If you need to repent for not coming to prayer meetings, come up here and say, God, I covenant to a prayer meeting. If you're in this place and you're saying, I'm not a tither or a giver, you need to come up and don't wait. Come now. And if you're saying, I I need to go through discipleship. I need to get committed. Come up to the front. If you need a baptism of fire, come. If you're going to live your life by the motto of obeying God, come to the front. If your motto will be, I'm loving God.